Horror Riders Podcast, episode number 38. All right, and welcome back to the Horror Writers Podcast, the show with two horror authors discussing all things in the world of horror. I'm your host, Zach Bohan, and with me, as always, is Jay Thorne. How you doing, Jay? Hola. <laughs> we, uh... I don't know. <laughs> I, I have no idea what's going on. I don't either. Our conversation before was was funny, so uh, so we'll just get right into it. So we've got uh, an awesome guest on today. Um, he is the author of such things as Ken, the Turtle Boy, and his most recent work, Sour Candy. Um, and we are talking about Keelan Patrick Burke. How you doing, man? Morning. Or hola, as Jay said, that was better. <laughs> then he come in and ruin it when I come in and go morning. It sounds so pedestrian now. Thanks a bunch, Jay. Yeah, he's kind of he does that. He's kind of an asshole. So it's yeah, upstaging me before we've even started. That's just fantastic. That is. Uh, yeah, your accent is charming. It, it, it sounds to me like Ohio. My accent? Yeah, yeah. I've been here long enough, I think, for it now to be at least an honorary accent. You know. I can make that people, joke because I'm, I'm a few, yeah I'm up I'm 71 north from you uh, not not too far so that's a that's a little inside Buckeye joke there. Right, I was actually going to ask if you were Norwegian, but I didn't want to offend if you weren't. So you know. no, I'm, I'm Spanish. That's why I started the show with Ola. <laughs> well, you look Spanish. <laughs> and I'm from the greatest country in the world of Texas. So nice. Uh, Have you guys seceded yet? Do we what? <laughs> Have you succeeded yet, or is it, uh, you know, because I, I believe there's an instructional video doing the rounds now uh, about some militants at a bird sanctuary or something, but apparently that's how it's done. Apparently. It, it wouldn't surprise me if it happened eventually. If uh, if somehow, you know, Obama could get a third term, I'm sure that Texas would find a way to secede, so. Well, Zach lives right, in his own right. world anyways. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, you know, it will go down in history as the moment where glitter bombs suddenly entered into the fray. You know, it will... <laughs> I don't know, but I think I've been wasting my time because anytime I had a problem with something, I just should have glitter bombed people. And I didn't. <laughs> and I feel somewhat bereft for not having thought of that. <laughs> well, there's still time. So at least now... Yes, you're not I've written it down. I've written it down. And I, I want to know what all the colors of the glitter, the volume... You know, how long it takes to get to the specific target. Once I know all that, it's on. Well, we have video evidence now, so you're doomed. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's usually the way my life ends up. Somebody <laughs> says I have video evidence. Somebody's got video of you doing something. <laughs> yeah, and they make me, you know, they, they make me believe that I signed things that said release forms, that that was okay for them to video it. I don't remember any of that. Oh, well, okay. Well, speaking of writing things down and video evidence and glitter, um, Keelan, why don't you take a second just to kind of introduce yourself to our audience? Um, okay. I'm not awake, though, so this might be That's a little fun. bit, you, it, you know, might not be the, the usual standard fare. It doesn't have to be the truth, either. Yeah. You can make you, oh, oh, good. All right. Well, then I'm comfortable with that. It's better than what I would say about you if you had me do this. So, it's a, so go ahead. Well, I want you to do it, then. That would be way better. I'm Keelan Patrick Burke. I write things, but now over to Zach for the truth. <laughs> there you go, Zach. Ah, oh, God, you're you're oh, not. Well, really the pressure's good. on. You see how that backfired? Come on, I want to hear it. Yeah, you pulled you pulled this out of me. 
he's, a, he's an okay cool. he's an okay writer and a half-assed cover designer. That's pretty much there all we you go. Know. So, See? can I have that as a blurb? <laughs> yeah, abs- abs- absolutely. Yeah, for for sure. As Excellent. long as you put on the cover you're working on me, you just have to put a. Uh, I just want you to put, you know, this book is a glare bomb or some shit on there. Well, you see, there you go. I wanted to see what you had to say about me when the truth was out because I'm currently doing a cover of yours, so wait to yeah. see what a spectacular mess that's going to be. I'm sure it'll be fantastic. Oh, I'm actually going to just use origami, and then I'm, I'm going to take a picture of it with a one-megapixel camera, and then I'm going to stretch it in Photoshop so that the angles are all wrong, and I'm going to misspell your name at the top, and then when it comes to the title, it was something like, what was the, the title of it? The Neighbors. How to Secede from Texas with Glitter Bombs. I'm going to put that at the bottom. <laughs> Misspelled, of course, with every second letter a different color. Uh, that's great. That's That may be the best introduction ever that anyone's yeah. ever, <laughs> ever done. So... Okay, well, so Keelan is a horror writer, um, and he does he does design a lot of covers as well. Um, see, this is my real introduction for you. That's so, boring. Um, <laughs> I tell you what, Jay, take take over. It's all you. <laughs> ask, him a, ask, ask, ask this jackass a question. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, this is kind of this is kind of fun for me because Keelan and I have known each other for a number of years now, and and you've done several of my covers, and uh, we're in a box set together, and yet we've we've never spoken. So uh, um, now I know why. Um, no. <laughs> well, it was the long-running feud between us. We couldn't. It would it wouldn't have looked good for the audience if we'd suddenly acted like we actually could tolerate each other. So. That that's true. I well, think, most, I think most we've people, blown it now, though. Yeah, most we've people can't tolerate talking to me, so they they deal with me in email. So it's totally fine. Hey, uh, by the way, can I just say that you probably have arguably the best background for your? I didn't put any thought into that. I just showed up. <laughs> but you have. I like the amps. I like the guitars. That's pretty cool. Thanks, I like man. It. Well, you know, it's my it's my home yeah. studio slash office. So I, you know, that's that's just what it is. So, uh, yeah, nice. uh, some people have amp and and. Amp Envy, but uh, you know, I don't know if you play or not. But thanks anyway. Uh, yeah, I used to. I do. I haven't played in a while, but I'm. Yeah, I do have all sorts of Envy right now. That in your hair, but mostly the Amp. <laughs> what about you, Zach? You have any kind of Envy? Yeah, I mean, you know, <clears throat> I'm a drummer, so obviously all drummers uh, want to be musicians, um, and I'm going bald. So I, there, there you go. So, All right. so you want the hair and his music setup. That's exactly correct. So. Somebody needs to Photoshop that. I'd like to see Jay's hair on you, though. See, if you, <laughs> if you could do it, could you pull it off? That's the You're the designer, says, man. Put that on his cover. I could do that, yeah. yeah. I'd, be, I'd be interested because, you know, people have that. I'm, I'm bald or I, I choose to be bald, and I want to see what my, you know, I want your long hair. But then if you put it on them, I don't know. They look ridiculous. So <laughs> some uh, people just rock the ball look. I think you got that going on, Zach. I mean, yeah, I I've can't always see with Jay's hair. I've always kept my hair short anyway, so it's it, it doesn't really it doesn't really matter. So it just keeps going further and further back. So it's, <laughs> well, me too. I mean, you know, I have my hair pretty short now. It's even shorter in the summer. It's gone in the summer. 
But I'm actually thinking of just letting it grow out. The problem with that is in the past when I've tried to do that, I was in uh, bands myself in Ireland for years, and what I used to do was try to do the Kurt Cobain look and get it all mm. greasy and down here, you know, so I'd look all emo. Instead, it used to go out the way. Yeah. So I ended up looking more like Sideshow side Bob kind of a look, <laughs> you know, which oh. wasn't very rock and roll at the time. It wasn't even grunge at the time. It just looked ridiculous. Yeah, it's you not know? badass. I mean, it's, oh. Yeah. No, and you, it got so my hair is very naturally curly when it gets mm. longer. So I'd be trying to comb it, and it gets stuck in the thing, and I'd end up going on stage with combs sticking on it, which kind of I think made me look a bit racist, or that I was trying to be, <laughs> you know, somebody from the Wu Tang Clan, and I, I really wasn't. I was just having great difficulty tempering that madness. Is this when you were in U two? That was when I was um, their roadie, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they, they, they made me sign, again, with the forms, they made me sign something that, you know, made me agree that I'd stay off stage so that nobody had to look at me, <laughs> which was really terrible for my ego now that I think about it, but whatever. <laughs> I actually have the same I actually have the same problem. If I tried to grow my hair out back in the day, it would just go up or out because it's really curly. Yeah. So I totally, I totally yep. feel you. Jay, I appreciate you uh, using 50% of your knowledge of Irish bands really early in the interview. So I mean, I, if I didn't, I mean, I got I had to bring up you two, and I had to make fun of the accent, right? I mean, yeah. those were sort of mandatory. Yeah, for sure. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. So, so yeah. Jay, was there, is there, is there a question for Keelan somewhere in all that? Or? Yeah, there, there is. I. In all in all seriousness, I just finished Sour Candy uh, two nights ago. Um, what, uh, don't I mean we're not going to spoil, but um, right. man, kick ass, just so good. Can you can you talk about uh, the story in generalities? Yeah, sure. Um, it's uh, it's an interesting one for me. It's a story that I had in mind for an awful long time. Uh, I think a couple of summers ago, I went to Walmart on a beautiful Sunday afternoon, it was the middle of summer, and I, I went in there, and I was just going to get some junk food, you know, some candy, some chips, whatever, and this kid just lets loose and shrieks, and we I think we've all been there, you know, it, it's just, and I got such a fright, I dropped half the candy I was having, so basically everything that happens to that character in the first, I'd say, 20 pages happened to me. Ah. Nice. And uh, I just, I turned and I thought, my first instinct, and I mean, it's hard to know how to reconcile these feelings. I mean, it, it, my first instinct was, shut the hell up, you know? Because it was one of these kids who's just, his face is the color of that, and his fists are clenched, and his mouth is like the MGM lion, and he's just screeching. And I was just, I thought, oh, if that was my kid, I, would, I swear to God, I would throw him over the friggin' aisles. <laughs> but then I saw his mom, and his mom was just, you know, I give up, kind of, instead of, and all the shoppers around them were kind of looking at her, looking at the kid first with same thing I thought, I would punt that kid over the aisle. And then... Everybody seemed to come to the same realization that you're looking at the mother and she's just defeated, you know? I mean, because she is to live with it. Maybe the kid is a great kid at home. Maybe he's just prone to outbursts, whatever. But on that day, she just couldn't handle it. It was just completely tuned out. So I 
went home and I thought, as I was leaving, I thought, well, what would happen if that kid followed me home? You know, like there'd be absolutely no reason for him to do that. But because I looked and judged that moment, knowing nothing, that how about if I went home and the kid was there? Now, not that the kid was there, but that the kid was there because he believes he was my son. And I'm my reaction to it is, are you out of your mind? What the hell's going on? Unfortunately, everyone I know, the police, my best friends, my girlfriend, everybody also believes that. As if it's just been the way your life has been to date, that that is your son. And you're the only one who knows that, wait a minute, I just went to the store. My first time I saw this kid, what's going on? And he starts to, you know, lose his friggin' mind because you would. But uh, And then the kid, of course, starts to reveal that he's a little more than just your average child. But that, that idea was with me for years before I actually sat down and wrote it. And when I did, the whole thing it was one of those, and you both know what it's like when that happens, that some stories you really need to work hard at, and you're trying to wrestle into submission. Others, you sit down, the minute you start writing, bang, it's all there. And that's the way it was with Sarah Kenny. It was an amazing experience to write it. But yeah, fun. It's one of two stories... I can clearly remember cackling madly over the keyboard while I was writing it. Just, I can't wait for people to read this. This is so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, just where you feel like you're evil for even writing it, you know? And it's so much fun. Uh, yeah, it, it was, there was... There's so many layers to it, and um, again, I'm not going to ask you to spoil anything, but there is there any significance to the, the brand of the candy? Um, is there anything underneath that, or is that... Maybe, you know, there isn't not. really, no, it's it's kind of like the MacGuffin, it's just there yeah. to, when I thought about it, I, I remembered that there was a time when that was pretty much all I would eat, candy-wise, sour candy, not all, you know, I wouldn't wake up for breakfast, like but uh, <laughs> it was it was my preferred candy at the time, Okay. and it was for years, and especially fizzy cola bottles, which yes. I, I haven't been able to find in a while, but those those were amazing. And then I went completely off them. So I was just thinking, well, what am I going to make them? Am I going to make it? It doesn't seem to have the same impact if you make it a pack of Rolos or a bag of malt balls. It just it needs to be something specific, you know, a specific type. And it just came to me, just, yeah, sour candy. Yeah. Because I think if you have to put some kind of significance to that, it's also that candy, sour candy in itself is enjoyable. But if you think about it too long, the sour part really isn't. And then you get to the sweet, and it is. But you're putting yourself through that to get to the sweet part, mm -hmm. which you know, I just made that up on the spot as having, oh, I, yeah, that's what I meant when I wrote it. No, I just picked it randomly. <clears throat> but that's, that's the better answer, so edit that out. You know, just, <laughs> oh, yes, well, uh, you know, when I was in Yale, I decided that sour candy as a means of monitoring society was quite interesting. <laughs> but, no, in all seriousness, like, even though that may have been, you've been working through that, on a subconscious level, I think there there would be a tremendous difference if it were chocolate versus sour candy. Right. It's, totally, it's a totally yeah, different That's, that's yeah. it exactly. It just I don't know. It seemed to fit the story perfectly. Mm -hmm. Plus, you know, it it gave me a great title. Yeah. I mean, if I called it Rolos, nobody <laughs> nobody would have read it. You know. That's half actually my melted. favorite candy. So actually, I would have read it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but if I call it half melted Dove chocolates in the Dove box. 
you know, I don't I don't see it having the same it's not the same ring, yeah. No, I wouldn't have read it. So I want to ask you about uh so we we mentioned before too that you you are a cover artist and stuff and um and I I told you a couple weeks ago, uh, I think in a Facebook message or something that I actually bought a book at a used bookstore here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. There was a based on the cover, and it was a cover that you did. <laughs> so no kidding. What was the what was the book? Yeah, it was a Revelation, the Revelation by Bentley Little. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, like the cover they had that at this used bookstore uh, right outside Nashville here, and uh, I, I bought it, and then I opened it up later. I was like, this cover looks like it could be Keelan's. I looked at it, and sure enough, I was like, oh, that's really funny. Um, and uh, and so anyway, so I was curious. Uh, was there like the cover for Sour Candy is awesome? Was there any kind of specific inspiration behind that, or or was it just kind of like you just wanted to do a striking cover for it, and that's what you came up with? I'll tell you the funny thing is, um, while I I mean I spend a lot of time looking at um, stock art, and I don't. <clears throat> we've all been there where you see a book cover, but then as the year goes by, you see three other covers that have exactly the same central stock art in there and that's frustrating I mean there's nothing you can really do about it unless you're willing to shell out you know ten thousand dollars for the exclusivity rights or whatever but um, I notice especially that some of the covers I've done in the early days that are now those images are popping up on the covers of really bad horror movies on um, iTunes and stuff you know and you'll see them I go oh god why did I use that but so what I try to do is is do a search for a particular thing. We'll say just a haunted house, for example. You do a search for haunted house on any of the stock art sites, you'll see roughly a hundred images that have appeared elsewhere. Yep. So I go to about the six hundredth page and look for the gems, mm. and then when I get those, I try and alter them enough that even if somebody else uses it, it's not identifiable as the same image. So. When I on one of these searches, I can't even remember what it was that I had put in, and but it was for somebody else's cover. I came across that image of the man with the wearing a it's the man in a robe wearing a skull mask with giant antlers, and the fact that the antlers seem to be just as much a focus as the mask because the mask to me would have been central, mm. and it could have just been some lateral head thing going on, but it was that it formed up a majority of the picture. I thought, that's really interesting. But also because it was black and white, it didn't seem to me that there'd be a whole lot you could do with it unless it was So I started messing with it, and I got frustrated and thought, meh, there's nothing I can do with it. I'll stick it in the files. And But then I started thinking about the antler man from that picture, and it kind of persisted. And I thought, well, I should use it for myself. I should think of something I can use it for. And the next day, I started writing Sour Candy. And then when Sour Candy was done, I went back and with that cover and thought, yep, Antler Man. Mm -hmm. And I think that that cover actually helps inform some of the components that appear in um, Sour Candy and vice versa. So I just, yeah, it it all kind of came together just nicely for me, you know. But, yeah, I love the cover. I think it's... um, it's unusual for me, I think, you know, and my generally my frustration is that, that I, I tend to do better covers for everyone else than I do for my own books. <laughs> and I've often, and I'm not kidding, often I have 
done a cover for somebody and held on to it for about an hour before I sent it to them and thought, <laughs> maybe I'll do a different one and I'll keep this one <laughs> because I just, I love them so much. And I think this is, all right, well, arguably this is the best cover I've done. I should keep that for myself. I'll do you one that's, you know, almost as good, but not quite, and you can have that one, and I'll keep this one, you know? It's like baking a cake and wanting to eat it before you send it to somebody. It's just, you know, eh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang on to that one. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that was one that I, I when, when I designed it, I thought it was very unusual for me, perfect for the story, and just visually striking. Because I thought, we're all competing to be noticed in the various book marketplaces. doesn't matter how good your book is sometimes. You have people who just go on and look at 100 titles in front of them and go, eh. And when I saw it listed, I thought, well, that one is one that I would want to click on. For sure. Because it's unusual. And so, yeah, that's, you know, pretty much uh, the long-winded way of, of saying that it was kind of the, the cover image informed the story and the story informed what was left to be designed of the image so yeah they work together in tandem I think um, yeah sort of a, a follow-up and maybe a more general question is you know how do you how do you sort of balance your 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 two creative outlets I mean you're you're um, you're both a writer and a graphic designer and and honestly I think that's a pretty rare combination um, that's different than being a writer and knowing a l enough about Photoshop hobble together your own cover your designer right. so you know how do you balance those two those two creative outlets not very well <laughs> to be honest really um, yeah I think what happens is I mean time management is probably or the lack of is it was I would put right up there as one of my greatest flaws because what will happen is I'll sit down and I will I'll say okay today is all about the covers and I will design Maximum, I think the most the most covers I've ever done in a day, and it was because I was late on all of them. Was three. Now that's when I say that in my head, I'm thinking I'll do these three covers, send them off. The clients will love them. Done. When generally what happens is they'll write back, and one will go, "Oh, I love it. Done deal." And the other two are like, "Yeah, it's not really what I wanted." Or could you change this? Or mm. So my idea of keeping all of today for book covers and nothing else, and tomorrow's all about writing, means that the next day I'm going back doing revisions on covers, doing 500 words of a story that's due at the end of the week, and I'm already playing catch-up on the covers because I told people I'd give it to them last week. It's a mess. So I don't balance it at all. It's a train wreck. It, it, it honestly is. Now, that being said, for the first time, I'm caught up on everything. And I think it's too scheduled. Um, Story-wise, I'm way behind. Cover-wise, I'm caught up. Story-wise, I'm behind on everything. I think I owe three stories right now. One I should have turned in on Friday, but I had to do covers. And also, the story is supposed to be 4,000 words, and it's currently at seven. So, <laughs> close. Yeah, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at this, guys. I don't know. I, either one, the designing, the writing, something's off. <laughs> do you think you'd ever I have need, to pick I need one? Somebody, I need somebody standing over me just going, do this now. 
Mm. I mean, I, the crazy thing is I'm so organized in every other respect. I mean, the administrative side of writing and designing the paperwork, I'm fantastic at it. I have nine Excel sheets for everything I do. I just don't do it. You know? <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> I'd be a great secretary. Maybe that's what I'll end up doing when you know people get tired of me. <laughs> I have a great skirt, too. But, uh, I'm not even going to touch that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because that sounds like that sounds like if you did. <laughs> that <laughs> that actually that's actually a great way to uh, to transition into uh, um, uh, another one of your your books that's come up on the show multiple times that Jay and I both uh, love is Ken. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, and and I know, uh, like I said, we've brought this up multiple times. I know we did an episode where we talked about stuff we'd like to see made into movies, and we both had that on our list, um, thinking that would be that Ken would be an, an excellent movie. Um, so you want to talk about Ken for a second and maybe uh, you know, kind of tell our audience a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, Ken is, I think, probably my only slasher novel. And I, I don't think, I don't like describing it that way, but I think in terms of, you know, to generalize, I think it is it is close as I will probably ever come to writing a slasher novel. Mm. And the reason it exists is because I wrote a film review of oh, what was it? I think it was I think it was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. And at the time, I was a member of a message board where people were sitting around talking about best and worst movies and. Did anyone see that this weekend? What did you think? And I went in there and posted my link. And it started this big debate about, and my review wasn't a positive one. It was basically what you have is a bunch of bad guys nobody cares about because they're one-dimensional. You have a bunch of heroes, uh, you know, teens, whatever, who nobody cares about. They're just fodder for the, the meat grinder because you don't know who they are either. So you have no reason to care. But I was defending this point of view so much that somebody just snapped and just went, well, you know what, Big Mouth, write a novel then, where you do have maniacs you actually find yourself understanding and care about, I want to care about, sympathize, empathize, whatever. And you have victims that you care about. You know, that they're not just there to die. So I thought, All right, you know, well, I can't, I'm not just going to go and write that because you say so, because I have to have the idea, and I didn't have until the following summer I was on my way down to a wedding in Florida, and we passed through Alabama, and I'd never been to that area of the country before, and I was stopped the car and jumped out because it was a cotton field. I'd never seen one before. <laughs> and I ran into it like, you know, like a, a dog that's just been released from the house. I and I came back and I had a big, you know, pile of cotton in my hand, like just go, 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 like I was committing some kind of theft, you know. <laughs> and uh, but it just amazed me, and the light over the cotton field and everything—it just was a huge, whole new experience for me. And as we were driving there, I thought I the story started in my head about friends who were going to a wedding in Florida and got waylaid in Alabama. And I thought, well, that's more or less your typical setup. What makes it different? So when I got home after the wedding, a couple of about a week later, I sat down and wrote what became almost 
untouched and unedited the first page of that story of Kin. And um, it just didn't stop from there. I wrote, I think, the first 100 pages of that story in a weekend. Wow. And I, I knew it was it was taking its own path. And I have never felt so much like I was just a bystander. You know, it was all coming out. But whatever the objective was for that, it appears to have worked because a lot of people have pointed out over the years since that was published that the most disturbing emails I get are, oh, I was kind of hoping that Luke and Claire would hook up. <laughs> and while I kind of get what you're trying to say, I'm thinking this is a bit like, I don't know, liking a certain duo or I mean, popular tween fiction vampire stuff where one of them is basically a sparkling pedophile and the other isn't. Um... I thought, I don't, that's okay, because you're basically trying to reunite the victim with the tormentor, <laughs> but the, the point of it was, though, that people seem to, I can't go as far as to say sympathize, but people seem to just get the bad guys mm-hmm. in it, to the point where some people were hoping for weird things like that, and while that wasn't my intention, I certainly kind of... I assume I achieved what I, what I was aiming for. And that's why I cite Ken as one of my my favorite of my own stuff. Mm. Which isn't saying much, because you know as writers, we always go, eh, and move on to the next one. Yeah. But I, if, if forced, I would I would say that that is my, my best book, because it's the first time when it all coalesced in the right way. And I didn't look back on it a year later and go, oh, I should have done this, I should have done that. It was exactly as it wanted to be, as I wanted it to be, as a response to, well, write a slasher with character. Then I think I succeeded in it, to some to some degree anyway. I can do better, but at the time, it was the best thing I'd written. So. Well, I can tell you that, <clears throat> um, you know, the thing I like about it so much is when I came across it, um, I actually had it recommended to me in, on Goodreads, in a Goodreads form, um, and uh, because I was trying to find a slasher novel that when, you know, everyone I was finding was a splatterpunk book that was like, you're two pages in and there's already been like nine rapes with every possible tool you can imagine, and I just got, t- I didn't want to read that, you know, right. um, and uh, and so when I came across it, it was like exactly what I was looking for at the time. Um, <clears throat> and you really nailed, you know, making a really <clears throat> enthralling but gory book without being so over the top. Like the the intro to that book, like I still think about that. And I read that book, God, a year and a half ago maybe now or over a year ago. It's been a while. Um, well, that's wonderful. I and uh, I still think about the intro of that book. Yeah. That's, that's I mean, fantastic. the intro of that book is just yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So it's 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 awesome, and uh, and and it was it was a big influence on me when I wrote my own slasher book, which is called The Witness. I even put that in the back, uh, and and said that that it was a big influence. So yeah. So it's you you definitely definitely nailed it. So I'm actually writing that down. The Witness. Um. But yeah, thanks thanks so much for saying that. I mean, it's it, you know, I mean, we all know that the best thing. The best compliment you can get is when something resonates with somebody, when it stays there, 
yeah. when they think about it often. I mean, that's, you know, we aim to tell a good story, but if any of it lingers at all, it's, it's the highest form of compliment because we are, no matter our lofty writerly ambitions, basically disposable entertainment. You know, I mean, I can read a book and go, oh, my God, that's the best thing I've ever read. Next. Yeah. You know, because there's only so much time. We love to read. We love to be entertained. But entertainment, and I think particularly these days, is demanding. It wants mm -hmm. the next thing, the biggest thing, the better thing, you know. So we're, we're small voices in a crowd. But so when somebody says to you, I read your book and I remember something from it, that's a huge compliment. Yeah. You know? So thank you, Zach. I appreciate that. Oh, no problem, man. Yeah, no no problem. Uh, you know, like I said, that one and Sour Candy has been the same way. I read that a few weeks ago, and it's, you know, I've read stuff since, and I'm still thinking about it. So, um, yeah, absolutely. So so we're kind of running up against the clock here. Um, Jay, do you have any anything else you want to ask him or add that you didn't get in or – no, you know, you know, I we joked around a lot, but in all seriousness, um, I have a I have a tremendous amount of respect for you, Keelan, as both a writer and a designer, and uh, and and we've worked together a number of times, and I hope we'll continue to do so because I think you are extremely talented, and uh, you have the right mindset, and um, and if if people are listening and have never read any of your stuff, hopefully hopefully they will because it's well worth it, and it's not disposable entertainment. I can say that firsthand. <laughs> so, but thank you, Jay. I appreciate it. I don't know what to do with all this positive, positive feedback. What's going on? I gotta go on Amazon, look at all my one-star reviews over the, after this to keep my head small. Hey, getting one-star reviews is the is the best way to know that you are actually doing something good. So, you know. did you see? Did you see the the, the review I posted on um on I think it was Facebook where a guy gave me one my novella Saturday Night at Eddie's one star because it wasn't Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. will go down as the best review I've ever gotten. I love it. I how, absolutely love it. How dare you make him pick the wrong book? How dare yeah, you? Yeah, this isn't a video game. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, Kill him. We could do a whole episode. That. That's even better yet. We could do a whole episode on 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 funny one star reviews. So you know they're, uh, they're the best. I saw one the other day for a David Wright and Sean Platt book that just was one star and it said sorry didn't get around to it. And I was like, <laughs> see, that's not funny. That's frustrating. It's really frustrating. Yeah. My Kindle wouldn't turn on. One star. <laughs> yeah. For Those are the um, best. You know the book is called Kin, not Kindle Battery Power Pack, right? <laughs> uh. Uh, oh, God. We could do, like I said, we could do a whole show on that. So, But, uh, well, cool. Well, Keelan, you want to uh, kind of tell our audience kind of the, the best place to find you and all that stuff? They want to check you out? Yeah, uh, you can find me on my website, KeelanPatrickBurke.com, if you can figure out how to spell it. Um, there's also, just a Google search turns out most of my, my main hit zones. I'm on Facebook a lot. I'm on Goodreads a lot. Um, I'm on Instagram, but really no point. I don't do very much there. Um, and I'm on Twitter, all under my own name. So, you know, that's where you'll find me. You'll regret it, but that's where I am. <laughs> We'll be we'll we'll be sure to put all all that stuff in the show notes so people can uh, they don't have to worry about spelling your name. Hopefully they can just click on stuff. So go, we'll be cool. sure to have all that in there. So so well awesome man. Well um I can tell you we really appreciate you coming by and giving us some time and this was uh this was a lot of fun. This is definitely one of my more fun interviews we've done. So excellent. I appreciate you guys having me. All right. Absolutely. Thanks, man. So cool. So well we will see everyone next week. Thanks. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to the Horror Writers Podcast. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's show, please feel free to leave us a comment. Subscribe on iTunes and on YouTube. If you like us, please leave us a review on iTunes. The Horror Writers Podcast can be found on the web at thehorrorwriterspodcast.com. All graphics provided by Johnny Diggs at diggscreative.com. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode.